Welcome to the Agents of Innovation podcast, where we feature conversations with entrepreneurs, philanthropists, and artists. Okay, welcome back to the Agents of Innovation podcast. I'm your host, Francisco Gonzalez. And boy, I guess we're up to episode 132 now. And I just want to welcome everybody here and especially welcome my guest today, James Nuveen, who's coming to us from Medellin, Colombia. James, welcome to the Agents of Innovation podcast. Thanks for having me, Francisco. Well, James, um, you know, we first connected via Twitter, uh, which I guess is known as X now. And um, for everybody that wants to follow you, I know you're at James Nuveen, that's N-U-V-E-E-N, so they can follow you on Twitter slash X, uh, James Nuveen, and that's how we first connected, but we actually got a chance to meet up in person recently during your first ever visit to South Florida, but James, I knew you hail from Wisconsin originally, went to college in Ohio, you're also the, um, the founder of New Age Marketing and the creator of the Freedom Files, so we're going to hear a little bit about your journey. Um, getting from, say, the Midwest to Medellin, Colombia. Uh, but uh, maybe you could introduce yourself a little bit here uh, further than I did and, and let us know a little bit about your background and where you're from. And I, I, I just think that journey, that word might be an understatement <laughs> because it feels like quite the adventure. Um, but yeah, thanks again for having me, Francisco. It, it has been a journey up to this point where... Uh, I now hail from Medellin, Colombia. Two years ago, I wouldn't have told you that that would have ever been a possibility, but here we are. Um, so a little bit about me. I did, I'm, I'm from Wisconsin, like you said, I was born in Milwaukee, uh, but actually grew up in North Dakota of all places. Um, and you probably don't hear that every day, but my dad, my dad is an orthodontist and accepted a job out there. And of, of all the places in the world that we would end up North Dakota was not on my list. Uh, ended up in Ohio to go to school at the, the uh, Miami of Ohio, Miami University, and worked in Indianapolis, Indiana for two years before coming down here to South America. Um, and what really prompted me to do that was I started my own company after working for two years for a, a, a consulting company as an employee. And had always known I was entrepreneurial, but um, really had the opportunity to quit that job and realize my dream of starting my own company, did so, and also realized that I didn't need to be in Indianapolis, Indiana anymore. <laughs> so made my way down to yeah, South I'm America. Sure, I'm sure being... Yeah, I'm sure being from the Midwest, I'm sure I'm sure you love uh, you know, the fam your family and the people of the Midwest and everything like that. So it'd be interesting to hear a little bit more about uh, what made you take the leap to South America. But go ahead. It sounds like you're about to about to let us know. Yeah, I mean I I never got the opportunity to study abroad during college and I started my full time career about three days after I graduated from college. So I didn't get time to to go explore the world and explore my interests. Um so when I quit my job and I was working remotely for the very first time, this is in 2021, so just after the pandemic, I realized that, hey, maybe I should go see the world more. Maybe I should go meet some interesting people. Um, and obviously you can do that in being based in Indianapolis, but I wanted to take a little trip to South America, thought it would be a three month trip. And two years later, I'm still here. <laughs> 
You're there, and uh, we're going to get into this a little bit, but you're uh, you're informing me that you're actually um, set up in your new uh, place that you just bought. You just bought some real estate down there in Medellin, so we're going to get into that a little bit. But uh, I got to make a couple comments here. Um, you know, I just went to Iowa a few months ago for the Iowa State Fair, and it was actually my very first visit to Iowa. And I say that because I have, up until three months ago, or two months ago, um, I had three states that I had not visited yet. One of them was Iowa. Check that box. Uh, I got two more, Hawaii and North Dakota. So, uh, James, I didn't know you had some connections there. We'll have to, uh, have to get me to North Dakota soon enough. Um, and, and maybe you could at least tell me some things that we, the places I should visit in North Dakota that, that are worth my, my time. <laughs> and usually, um, also, usually the um, comment, yeah, Francisco, along those lines, usually the comment I get when I tell people that I'm from North Dakota is that, wow, I've never met someone from North Dakota. So <laughs> that's par for the course. That probably is true. I, maybe along the way, I may have met somebody, but probably not uh, memorable. So um, yeah, I would love to get there. I heard, I heard that in North Dakota, they actually have a place that says like, save the best for last because so many people visit there on their 50th uh and uh, their 50th state. Uh, in some ways, I'd actually like to do North Dakota next so I could jet off to Hawaii for my last state, you know, <laughs> since it's so far. But um, anyway, um, James, so, so you know, you've started. Uh, tell us a little bit. First of all, uh, I think you graduated college, you said, around 2019. Is that right? Graduated in 2019, yep. And, and so, the so then you went to Indianapolis and were working for this consulting company, right? And um, was i mean obviously the pandemic affected a lot of you know everybody uh in so many different ways and most people had to work from home and a lot of people i remember started going to other places they were coming to my home state of florida that was a little more free and open but also because it was warmer and it was a nice climate and if you're going to be stuck somewhere at least you're in florida um you know not too bad other people were going to places like mexico that were pretty open uh, maybe some people are jetting down to Medellin, Colombia. A lot of remote workers down there. When you when you visit Medellin, as I did for my very first time earlier this year, a lot of co-working spaces. And I know that's been happening for a number of years there, but COVID sort of accelerated that. Did COVID have an impact on you in that way in terms of the remote work and then choosing to kind of travel and live somewhere else? In in a way. So I'll I'll tell you the nature of my job which was kind of unique at the time. So when I graduated college, I entered this entrepreneurial development program. I'll, I'll call it something like that. It was a fellowship program in the state of Indiana that allowed me to work full-time for a company, just as any post, any graduate of college would do. However, outside of that full-time job, I also got the benefit of being around 200 other entrepreneurs or people who called themselves entrepreneurially inclined. Um, and a lot of these people were like movers and shakers from all around the Midwest, really, really cool people. And that afforded me a lot of pop possibilities, a lot of opportunities, um, meeting people from all over the United States, really fascinating individuals, all my age. The unique part of that program is that it ends after two years. So all of my friends who graduated college and maybe were entrepreneurial, they got locked into a job and they didn't have a, a stopping point in the future. They didn't have this point to reflect on their career and either quit their job or get a promotion or start their own company. I had that, luckily. 
So at the end of my two years, I received a, a an offer to for a, a promotional offer for uh, like a forty percent bump in my in my salary and a whole lot of benefits. Really, I had a great experience with my company, but I realized that no matter what they were going to pay me, it still wasn't getting me closer to my dreams of owning my own company and being a very free individual in control of my own life. So that was a really unique opportunity to say, okay, I have this jumping off point. What am I going to do? And I chose to quit. And three days later, I started my own company. Wow. Three days later, you started your own company. And and what, this was a new age marketing, I suppose? Yep. And, and for those first six months, it was like everything marketing, everything under the sun. Uh, but now I focus much more on content marketing. So I, I'm a writer. I help people grow their audiences with a written word. And we just added a video component as well. So all things content marketing. That's great. Um, and so it seems like that has become a sustainable business for you. Um, what was, as you started that, What at what point did you decide to start uh, traveling and working? I assume you were working remotely as you were traveling. Uh, what, what, where did your journey start? What was the first uh, initiative to, to, to go travel and, and do this work remotely? I remember back to 2021 when I did quit my job in June, that was June 4th, started my own company June 7th. And by the end of June, my lease was up in Indianapolis, downtown Indianapolis. So I spent the next few months traveling around the United States, seeing a lot of my friends, um, seeing some family. But I also, during that course, also booked a ticket to South America and thought I would spend, oh, I don't know, a couple months, two, three months in Colombia, Costa Rica, and Panama. And I wanted to learn Spanish. Um, so this was just going to be a three-month adventure. But obviously, I, I think we're going to get into it, but it, it's turned into much more than that. Uh, but during those first few months of starting my own business, I, that's when I really realized that yeah, I didn't need to be physically located in one place to do a really good job for my clients. So you're traveling, you got three, uh, three months, uh, you, you went to Colombia, Costa Rica and Panama, uh, for, I guess the first three months and what was, what, what, what kept you, or are you tell me, tell me, you're shaking your head. Tell me what, where you went next and, and, well, and what it, kept it, you in South America? Uh-huh. Well, it actually didn't work out that way. So that's that's how I planned to make this three little three-month adventure. However, in just my third week of living here in Medellin, Colombia, I met who is now my girlfriend of two years. Um, and I canceled my flight to Costa Rica. I canceled my Airbnb. I canceled out all of my plans for the next few weeks and, and next couple months to see what would come after that first date uh, with my now girlfriend. Um, and I'm glad I did. That's great. So you're, so you stayed, how long did you stay in Medellin? I mean, that was your first spot, Colombia on that, uh, on that plan. And, um, and then, uh, yeah. So how long did you stay in Medellin and where did you end up traveling afterwards? I assume maybe you took her with her with you a it, little bit it was going it was going to be a four-week trip to medellin and then four weeks in costa rica four weeks in panama but ended up staying about eight months in colombia instead um and then i reached my limit of 
number of days. If you don't have a visa, you can only stay a number of days in Colombia. And I met that limit in the end of 2022. So the back half um, of 2022, that is when I really started to explore Latin America because I physically could not be in Colombia. Um, went to six other countries. By the way, how long... How long does Colombia make you leave for when you does it is it just for a day is it is it longer You can only spend 180 days in a calendar year in Colombia So 6 months in 2022 which which is what my situation was Um so that was January through June and then I the the back half of that year I I spent traveling all around Latin America Great so what were some of the highlights Oh, the highlights. So where'd you go? So I I have really been all over the place. I've been to, probably spent the most time in Ecuador, um, one of Colombia's neighbors, Costa Rica, Panama, Peru, Argentina, Uruguay. Been to all of those, but of my, of, of all of them, Colombia is by far my favorite. Ecuador would probably be my second, Argentina being my third favorite. Yeah, we did a Fearless Journeys group trip to uh, Argentina and Uruguay earlier this year, and uh, we loved it so much. Um, there, there will be an Argentina 2024 back on the Fearless Journeys calendar. So, and we loved Uruguay too, but it's it's a little complicated doing both with a group. So, uh, but we may try that again some other time. But this coming 2024, look for uh, if anybody's listening, look for us to announce that pretty soon for April. Um, anyway, uh, but Colombia. So why, other than uh, you know, the lady there that you met, uh, who's now your girlfriend. Um, uh, why does Colombia stand out to you as, you know, your favorite place? Yeah. And apart from Manu, my, my girlfriend, I have fallen in love with this country. So you're, you're spot on. Um, and I wouldn't have invested in this country if it weren't for first her. Yes. But also my belief in this country, this economy. I love the biodiversity. It's one of the most green, most biodiverse countries in the entire world. I think Brazil might be the only one that beats it out. Peru, I think, is up there as well. So Latin America really reigns in uh, biodiversity. But Colombia is just an absolutely natural and beautiful place. The people, which I think are the most important aspect of any society, any city that you choose to live in, are the sweetest, most amorous most loving, most familial people that I have ever met. And I genuinely fell in love with that culture, the, the culture of acceptance. And uh, it's, a, it's a, a vibrant, vibrant culture. People are very excited to see you whenever you walk through the room. And I, I just fell in love with that. So obviously the biodiversity, the, the people, the, the food is just new to me. I learned the language and that really allowed me to connect with everyone on a whole nother level. Um, and now a lot of people think that I have a Colombian accent, which is funny, <laughs> but yeah, that, I would say a lot of those factors uh, have really led me to, to believe in this place and, and fall in love with it. Well, you know, I've only been in Medellin and Bogota as far as Colombia is concerned. And it was only earlier this year, as I mentioned, um, we're going to be doing a Fearless Journeys group trip to Medellin uh, next month at the end of October. I know you're going to be gone when uh, when we're there, um, but uh, some of us are also going to go to Bogota just ahead of that as well. So it should be great. But one thing that really did 
stand out to me. I spent a you know about a week in Medellin. Um, is just how green it is, and um, and how it's not just like there's uh, you know like in New York City, you got the concrete jungle everywhere, and then you've got Central Park over there. It just felt like in Medellin, everything is is um, all encompassing together, right? Like um, just very green within the urban environment, and and also how the whole city, um, from the public transportation regarding the rail system, the buses, the uh, the metro cables, like the Skylift type thing, and um, and even all the sidewalks and bike paths. It just seems like everything connects really, really well there. And obviously, the other thing is, a lot of us, when we think of Colombia, you know, uh, a lot of people still, still think of, you know, uh, Narcos, right? Like the TV series and what went on there, particularly in the in the 90s and early 2000s and how violent it was. And um and and what's interesting is just the turnaround that Colombia has had in recent years. And if you go over to Comuna Trece and you see like just the vibrancy of that place and how that was one of the most violent areas in the world just less than 20 years ago. Um, really amazing uh, country and particularly love to Medellin. It's Bogota is really, really large and it's hard for me to kind of get my head around such a large city. I was only there for a couple of days uh, compared to being a week in Medellin, but I just think Medellin is just a really, really beautiful city and very large still, but you know nothing on the scale of Bogota. Yeah, I, I believe in everybody knows the history of Pablo Escobar and and what how dangerous of a place this was uh, just thirty years ago. I think in '91 it was the world's most dangerous city, specifically Medellin. And in 2011, mm. Medellin was named the world's most innovative city. So you think about the transformation. Wow in just 20 years from being the world's most dangerous city to being the world's most innovative city. And like you said, Francisco, you can really see it. And I'm, I'm not here to be like a spokesman for, <laughs> for Medellin, uh, but I can say 100%, I can testify to the fact that my life has improved. I'm, I'm happier, I'm healthier, and I'm in love with this place. Um, and that the city has a saying, they have, uh, this is a marketing campaign of theirs, but it's true. Uh, they say, Aquito florece, which means that here everything flourishes. And they mean that in two different ways. You, obviously, you can take that as it's a very green, literally green city. It, you're in the jungle, you're in Colombia, but you're also uh, at Denver's altitude. So um, you have amazing mm -hmm. green mountains, the jungles, and then a, a, a huge variety of birds and flowers and all that kind of stuff, but also the people flourish. Um, and Medellin is one of the most entrepreneurial cities in Colombia. Colombia itself gets a lot of entrepreneurial dollars from investors and from venture, venture capital. So um, yes, it's a saying for marketing purposes, but also I've, I've learned that it's true that here everything flourishes. Yeah, that's interesting. And you know, something... I should remind the audience of two that may not be aware if you haven't been to Colombia and especially Medellin, but, you know, just like where I was living for about a year, uh, they call it, you know, the, uh, the eternal spring there. Right. And it's the, the weather. And you just mentioned it's at about, uh, Medellin's around 5,000 or 7,000 feet altitude, something in that range. Um, and so you're getting that also just the cool temperatures year round, just that perfect kind of sixties and seventies Fahrenheit um doesn't doesn't change very much and maybe a little rainy during 
some parts of the season more of uh, the year more than others, but it uh, just seemed to be a really uh, perfectly cool place. Yep, exactly. So yeah, the James, start, the um, city of Eternal Spring. Yeah. So James, uh, you've you just bought some property there, so I want to ask you a couple things about that. Um, but first, let's go back to something you said, uh, and I think this will relate to helping you buy some property. You went down there. And you had a, a really uh, very intentional um, yeah, you wanted to learn some Spanish. And, um, and obviously, you've, you've done that very well. I can hear it in uh, your great pronunciation as well. <laughs> and so um, tell us uh, a few things. First, what was the process of learning Spanish? How much did you know before you started all these travels? And then... Um, what has yeah what has been basically the the best uh discipline for yourself to really uh be there and, and and really practice because i know in medellin there's a lot of gringos walking around especially in el poblado and other it could be very uh easy to just stick in that crowd and and just speak english to a lot of uh other foreigners that are coming through there um but tell us a little bit about how how you were disciplined enough to learn and what were the best processes were yeah, so before I came to Colombia, I probably had a little bit more background than the average person, but nothing that a, a few months of Duolingo, very, very basic knowledge and, and training couldn't get you. Um, I obviously studied Spanish and in, in up to high school. I believe I had maybe had one semester in college uh, dedicated to Spanish. But like I said, my, my understanding of the language is pretty basic. So before I came here, I took a few Duolingo lessons, but as people who learn languages like for a living, I know a lot of people who are polyglots and know a lot of languages, Duolingo doesn't serve you a whole lot. Um, because once you get here, you're thrust into conversations, you're not reading things on screens and you can get uncomfortable really fast. So. Like I said, I, I had met my girlfriend in my third week here. That first date was pretty brutal. <laughs> I could only say about uh, three different things. And, and what I would so have liked... So she didn't speak any English? She does not speak English. She still... It, I learned enough Spanish that she got comfortable speaking Spanish with me. And I understand her perfectly now. I'm fluent um, so that I can translate my emotions, the important stuff in a relationship. Um, but she was really the catalyst in helping me learn the language to a point of fluency. Um, conversation with her every day was really the sole reason, sole reason that I am fluent today. Um, you can say all you want. You can change the subtitles on YouTube and Netflix. You can listen to Spanish music. You can listen to Maluma and Bad Bunny. You can read books in Spanish, but nothing will sell, nothing will help you like conversation will. So I highly recommend if you're, if you want to learn a new language, this, this isn't just Spanish conversation every single day with someone who speaks that language will serve you. That, that is the best way to learn. Conversation is pretty much the only way. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, actually what's interesting was when I was in my week in Colombia. I actually was a little frustrated because I was staying in El Poblado, right? And um, 
even even when I would walk into cafes and stuff, like the local Colombians would speak to me in English, and I was sitting here trying to speak Spanish, but you know it wasn't perfect, and so they just you know it, to them it was just easier to proceed in English. Um, so it's kind of like, man, this is getting a little frustrating. But I went to Bogota, and I did not encounter too many people there that spoke English. And in fact, um, my Uber driver for the day, um, well, when I got picked up at, at the airport, uh, we had a 45-minute conversation, like all in Spanish. And I was like so proud of myself. And anyway, he said, hey, if you if you like, I can, here's my number. You know, instead of calling an Uber, you could just uh, call me directly and I could take you around. So yeah, so had him take me around a little bit the next day. And then the, the day, uh, the next day, him and his brother, um, spent like half the day with me. I took them to lunch and we went to some tourist sites and things like that. And yeah, it's funny. Uh, a few times they were like, wow, your, your Spanish is very good. And, uh, cause they, they spoke basically no English, but I, I realized at that point, like, well, you know, I know a lot of people that speak Spanish. My dad is from Cuba. He speaks Spanish, but when you, when I also know that they speak English, I'll just be lazy and, um, and speak English. But when I'm forced, to, to actually have a conversation, that's when I can really practice. So I can see with your girlfriend there who, you know, maybe it's a little, maybe you don't even want to teach her English, right? At this point, <laughs> just for the sake of your Spanish, but, um, but that definitely is a, is a way to learn. And I've also heard that a lot too, right? I mean, when you're in a relationship with somebody uh, who doesn't speak, you know, or who speaks a different language, uh, you've, you, it really does force both of you to, to learn. So that's, that's a great asset as well. Um, yeah. And, and, and if I could say one more thing on language learning, Francisco, it was, and I know you asked this, so I didn't, I didn't respond to it. I don't think when I came here, I really wanted to get the full experience. I didn't want to just bring the United States with me in my backpack or on my back. Um, I wanted to live not necessarily like a Colombian, but I wanted to make the most of my experience here. Um, very few people in Colombia speak English. Uh, if you look at a chart in Latin America of who speaks English, who has the proficiency mm. levels, Argentina is way up there. Mexico is at the very bottom to a lot of people's surprise. But Colombia is right there close to the bottom as well. So to make the most of my experience in Colombia and, and then Costa Rica and Panama, um, I wanted to learn the language and connect with the locals. Um, so that was a, a major priority for me. I didn't want to just have the normal experience. I wanted to live like a local. I wanted to soak up the culture as much as possible. And really, frankly, that's the only option of doing that is by learning the language and being able to communicate with them. Because without that, you're just another tourist. Yeah. Okay. So um, learning the language and getting to know the, I mean, you, you really, it gets, it helps you learn the local culture even more when you can learn the language, right? And you get, you get kind of brought into local familiarity with things and, and, and probably making new friendships. So, um, also probably helps you when you're trying to maybe buy some property in a foreign country, tell us the process. And are you, um, my understanding is you still have your U S citizenship, right? Um, do you have a foreign, some kind of residency in Colombia? Um, and, and, and what is the process like in terms of buying property and, and how did that Spanish also maybe assist with that? So there were, Colombia went through some big changes last year where they cut a lot of their options to become a permanent resident immediately upon investing in the country. So that's known as residency by investment. Um, and what I chose to do 
is become a temporary resident by investing a certain threshold of, of dollars or pesos, I guess, into the economy via a business investment or real estate investment. And I chose obviously the real estate path. Um, and in five years, I will become a permanent resident. And then in 10 years, I will become a citizen if I choose to go through with both of those options. Um, obviously, those are very much accelerated if I choose to get married or, or take a different step in, in, the, uh, in, in that course. Uh, but yes, I, I'm a temporary resident right now. I have a cedula, which is like a government ID, um, permanent residency in five years if I maintain that investment and citizenship in 10 years. And then as far as the language goes, yes, it helped me drastically during that process. First of all, communicating with lawyers, communicating with realtors, communicating with everybody in the process because it's very involved. Um, and then second, reading all these like legal documents. I, I didn't know all the legal language before going through that process. So a lot of it was very new for me. Um, but going through that process, having learned the language allowed me to avoid a lot of scams, avoid a lot of not so great people and do everything the right way, which is how I needed it to be in order to qualify for the visa. Everything needed to be 100% by the book, no cutting corners, no saving on uh, no penny pinching or anything like that. Everything had to be perfect in order to apply for that visa. So, um, Yes, it very, very much helped me throughout that month-long process. Yeah. So let me ask you something. Do you have to be a resident or citizen to own uh, property in, in uh, Colombia? In Colombia, you do not. No, you do not. It's just part of the process of becoming a resident and possibly a citizen later uh, accelerates if you, if, you do, if you do own property. Yeah, so I, I purchased the pro I, there are many ways to become a permanent resident. There are many ways to become a citizen. However, um, I also wanted a home. I wanted a home base and owning something is always something that I wanted to do. So chose the path of owning real estate, investing in real estate here. And like I said, it has to be above a certain dollar threshold or peso threshold to qualify for that visa. So bought the property um, and applied for the visa and, and received the visa. Yep. So, you know, James, I wrote a book called uh, The American Dream is a Terrible Thing to Waste, right? <laughs> and, I started um, it, Francisco. You know, one of the things... Oh, great. Um, and, you know, I, I say that because you are an, a U.S.-born citizen, right? And by the way, let me ask you another quick question about Colombia. Um, if you be, if if you uh, if you became a Colombian citizen, would you also be able to keep your U.S. citizenship, or does the U.S. kind of make you give that up? Or Colombia has dual citizenship, so I am I am allowed to have both an American passport and a Colombian passport. And and by the way, oh, I, I know that well, you asked this just a second ago too, but I have no plans of renouncing my American citizenship. The U.S. is still home for me. I all of my family, not all of my family, but most of my family still lives there. I'm 26 years old, so I'm not quite ready to cut off that option of entering the United States, even if it means I have to pay taxes in a country that I don't live. Um, the U.S. is one of two countries in the world that has citizenship-based tax. 
which means that if you have American citizenship, you pay taxes in America, no matter where you live, no matter what you do, no matter anything. Um, but I think having Uncle Sam still wants his cut. United States is very important <laughs> to me. So um, I just want to make that very clear. I have no plans of renouncing my citizenship anytime soon. Well, we're, we're glad to hear that. Um, so, but, you know, as a U.S. born citizen, I mentioned the American dream. And it sounds like, you know, for a lot of people, the American dream means a lot of things, right? I think overall, it, it pretty much means being able to kind of, you know, live the life you want, uh, pursue the vocation you would like, uh, you know, live that life of your dreams. And, and it's, it's different for everybody, right? What everybody wants to do. Uh, but for a lot of people, part, part of the equation of the American dream is home ownership. Um, you now have achieved home ownership, but not in the United States. You you went to Medellin, right? Is this the first place you've owned uh, in your life? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's the first time that I've ever bought real estate and it just so happens to be international. So what can you say, uh, James Nuveen, who has um, left the United States, pursued his dreams, what, uh, and, 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 and secured home ownership in uh, Medellin, Colombia. What can you say about the American dream? And are you living it? Well, that's a big one. Um, well, Francisco, I, obviously home ownership, yes, is, is definitely a part of the American dream. I, I would say that the American dream more broadly is all about freedom. I mean, if you look back to the pilgrims, when they, when they first came to what became the United States, they wanted freedom from the tyranny of the English kingdom, the, the, the uh, English church as well. And that, that was their method of becoming more free, to start a new country in a new land. And the whole Revolutionary War was fought to get Great Britain off of their backs. That was all about freedom to, to determine their own future, determine their own path. And that's what freedom is still about to me. Freedom is about optionality. Freedom is about mobility. Freedom is about independence. My ability to provide for my family and for myself with assets, with ownership, with um, a life that isn't constrained by anyone, any country, or anything. So to me, and I talk about this in the Freedom Files all the time, my life is all about building more freedom for myself. That's why I started my own company. That's why I don't work for anyone else anymore. That's why I have a home. <laughs> another reason I have a home. It's another reason why I wanted multiple options when it comes to residencies and passports. It's the same reason why I'm a big believer in Bitcoin and, and detaching country from monetary policy. All my life is about freedom. And to me, that means that that's what the American dream is. That's all about freedom. So, James, it's interesting. Um, we got we got a lot to talk about in this in this in this area here. And I am a subscriber to your Freedom Files newsletter. I encourage People who are listening to this that might be just a little bit interested in what you have to say to to subscribe to the newsletter. It's I think it's freedomfiles.co right uh, for your website, and they can they says can subscribe there. But you you send out a lot of really uh, good information. But you know we're living in a day and age now where there's a lot of challenges uh, to the American dream. Maybe challenges to home ownership. Maybe challenges to the 
kind of life people want to live and maybe, maybe it's income versus inflation and all these sorts of things that are involved. Um, so, you know, with that being said, uh, one of the other things that's part of the, you mentioned, I mean, again, it's, it's, it all revolves around freedom, right? And, and for you, you have also found that in, um, in becoming your own boss in a sense, right? Having your own company. You could do that from pretty much anywhere, anywhere on U.S. soil or, or many places abroad, like, like you've taken your business as well. But it's interesting. You're, you're now the owner of your own company. You own your own home. Um, you've, you've, you've been a, you've charted your course to a, to a new place and made a decision on how you want to live and where you want to travel and, and, um, and how you can work every day. So you've, you've secured a lot of freedom and I know now you're helping p other people secure freedom, but it's interesting because I, I saw in one of your newsletters, uh, probably six months back now, uh, you, you referenced this book, the sovereign individual. And, uh, you know, I've had some friends that have actually recommended this book over the years and I took a look and it was, a, it was a decent sized book and seemed pretty, um, pretty, pretty something deep that you really need to get engaged with. And I just wasn't ready for it, but you know, it's funny. I've been, I've been kind of thinking about reading it and then finally I saw you write about it and I was like, okay, I got to finally listen to this. And so I listened to it on audible. It was great, but it really, now that I've actually lived abroad for a year in Guatemala and I've seen people like you and many other people, uh, give us, can you give us a little background about, um, you know, the sovereign individual kind of a little bit about the book. And I know it was first published, I think in the nineties. Um, and it's like, when you're reading it now, it just seems like, wow, this was so prophetic. Like, like so much, so much stuff has happened that came true. Maybe a few things were a little off, but tell us a little bit about the book and, uh, maybe how, how it impacted you and your, your thought as well. Yeah. It, it, first of all, yes, it was published in the nineties. I'm not sure the exact date, but it doesn't matter. It was way before it's time, uh, to be talking about the many topics that it did talk about, like uh, freedom, money, like about, uh, entrepreneurship, mobility, all these topics, people weren't really talking about that until the 2010s and 2020s, especially during COVID and, and what we've seen in the last few years, uh, because more and more people want more freedom by the day. Um, and yeah, that book was a fantastic read for me. I've, I think I've read it now twice or, or three times, but the first time was when I first made that leap to Colombia. Like I said, I, I thought that was just going to be a, a quick trip to Latin America and back to the United States where I would rent an apartment again. But obviously it has turned into a journey to ultimate freedom. And, and to me, after reading that book, what that means to me is being able to do what I want, when I want, where I want, how I want. So there are many different steps to that. There, there's uh, starting your own business. There's decoupling yourself from the financial system and, and starting to use crypto or, or Bitcoin in my case, um, and not being attached to a, a certain country's government and monetary policy. Those are all major themes of the book, but they also talk about how, and this is probably the, the main thing that stuck out in my mind from reading that book is that we should treat countries and I don't care if you're from the United States, you, the UK or, or Australia, what, whatever, but we should all treat our countries and any countries in the world as corporations. We should treat them as corporations. And as such, it's their job to court us, citizens, uh, customers, 
because we pay taxes. That that is our price to pay for having an American passport or a British pa- or an English passport or an Australian passport. That that's our price to pay. And because of that, we can choose from all these different countries, the 190 countries in the world that offer different benefits, offer different uh, consequences of owning their a piece of them, of paying taxes and being a part of their program, of being part of their country. And the way that they court citizens is with their tax policy, their culture, their uh, business climate. All of these different things add up to one glob of a country. And what you, Francisco, value in a country is different than what I value in a country. And what I value in a country is different from what you value in a country. So my my choices, especially over the last two years, have led me down a path where I think my life is a little bit better in this moment in my life in Colombia. If I have kids, that might change. If the tax policy changes, that might change. If the United States gets rid of the IRS, that might change. <laughs> so there are all of these different uh, features of a country that lead their citizenry, their customers, to choose different paths in the world. And that's probably the, the most important thing that I learned from The Sovereign Individual. And I, I highly recommend anyone read that book. Fantastic, fantastic read. Yeah, I agree with you. I think one of the big takeaways for me was more, uh, even on the flip side of what you said, uh, how countries, nation states, you know, uh, will view us or they'll basically be competing for customers in terms of competing for citizens. And and the other thing that really fascinated me about the book and, and, you know, a friend of mine, uh, a few years ago, we were having some deep conversations about all sorts of political philosophy and all these things. And he said to me something about, oh, the nation state is on the decline or something like that, right? I mean, it was a little more detailed, but I remember just like, you, and then said, you need to read this book. And I kind of dismissed the book. Like, what are you talking about? The nation state is on the decline, right? Um, and then, you know, maybe my mindset just got to a place where I could accept that a little bit more. And But the way it's really explained more in the book, I'm I'm a big fan of history. I have two degrees in history. So I love thinking about the broader context of history. And Really, it really wasn't apparent to me until this book like pointed it out that the nation state is a blip in history, right? I mean, it is a very, very, very new thing. In fact, when we even think of great nations in Europe, Italy, Germany, they have not been nation states that long. Most of them were not nation states until the early 20th century, late 19th, early 20th century. And so you have this like push for nationalism in that like 19th and 20th century some of which did not go so well <laughs> in many places and uh, led to several world wars. Uh, but the the interesting thing about this was is we all, you know, we, we grew up, especially people, you know, we're very proud to be Americans. We're proud of the service of our military to protect us and all these sorts of things. But also, so we kind of feel very wedded to that nation state, to that flag, to our patriotism. But uh, But at the same time, I think we really also have to take a step back and say, but wait a second, like this is a very small blip in history. And what we should be probably more wedded to are some of the things you talked about, the principles, right? The principles that were outlined in, say, the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. And what were those? And you went back. It was interesting. You brought up the story of the pilgrims, right? They left 
and the Amer Americans have always been since that beginning time people on an adventure. I mean, shoot, if you go to Epcot Center up the road here at Walt Disney World, there the you actually have different countries in the world showcase. I don't know if you've been there, but you got France, you got Germany. In America, it's not called the United States of America. It's called the American Adventure, right? And so um, it's kind of interesting. We've always been a people on the move, and we've always been moving towards wanting more freedom and having battles about freedom. But it's interesting. When it comes down to freedom, um, I was looking at your website uh, just to, before this, just preparing a little bit to see how you kind of organized everything. Um, and so you're talking about you're helping you want to help people in addition to all the other work you're doing, you now are helping coach and uh, people to give up their job, quit their job, you say, start a business, reduce your taxes, travel the world, control your time, put your health first. So James, you want to talk a little bit about how those things kind of help people uh, with their freedom and how you might be able to help them if they're listening to this? Yeah. I think it helps to add a little bit more context to my story because I wouldn't be able to talk about these things if I hadn't experienced them, right? It, it's like an 18-year-old talking about quitting their job. It's just not a thing. Um, but I have all this experience that has led me to think that, man, just two years ago, I had a job. I didn't, I, I, I liked my job. I, I was content. But there's a, diff, there's a, there's a big difference between being content and being happy and being truly happy. And for me, I made a lot of big decisions that were really scary at the time because I didn't have anyone to lead me through those different challenges. The challenges of quitting a job, the challenges of starting a business, the challenges of moving out of the, my home, my, moving out of my home country and exploring this new world, new continent. Uh, learning a new language, buying international real estate, dating someone who doesn't even speak my language, like all these things two years ago, I would have never told you in a million years I would have done. But now I've gone through them. And the, the Freedom Files, which I started building earlier this year in February or March of 2023, is dedicated to that. I, I know that because of what I've experienced over these last two years, I can help people. I can help people go through those big changes. I can help people quit their job. I can help people start their own business. I can help people move out of the United States and, and explore the world. I can help people buy real estate. I can help people learn a new language. I can do all these things because I have done them myself. Um, I can help people because I've done them myself. So the Freedom Files is what you are referring to, Francisco. On freedomfiles.co, is where I write about all my adventures. Yeah, I have a daily newsletter, I'm sorry, a twice a week newsletter where I uh, update everybody on what I'm going through in the moment and try to address a lot of the challenges that I've gone through over the last two years and the challenges that I'm still to go through because life is about progress, I'm not done yet. Um, so the, the Freedom Files is dedicated to that. I write most most of my content on that website or on Twitter, YouTube channel is starting in a matter of weeks here in September. So I'm getting really excited about that. And I, like, I, like I said to you, Francisco, I, I do have that coaching program, but that was a one-time thing. So if I do end up running that again, my newsletter list will hear about it first. So if you're interested in going through a lot of those steps that I just went through over the last two years, 
um, I am, I might be uh, running another coaching cohort where we walk through all those steps one by one. And um, if that's of interest to you, subscribe to the newsletter and there will be news about it. Okay, James. So you talked a lot there about, you know, the, with what you're doing with the freedom files, you know, you, ha you had to have the experience yourself uh, going through a lot of these things before you could help people on their own journey. And that's, you know, like to say, you know, no one travels alone and, but you've been charting the course for other people so that you could, you know, help them help guide them down their own path, maybe a path that you've gone down uh, in your own life in your own way. But you know, you mentioned before, uh, I've seen some of your tweets and some of the things you write about in your newsletter, that, uh, you know, that you've, you've never been more happy, more fulfilled. Um, have you was there a point where maybe, maybe it was in college or during that corporate job? I know that that one job had a sort of two year ending point. But was there a point there where maybe you weren't happy, you weren't fulfilled? Maybe you thought about it consciously, maybe you thought about it later, I don't know. Um, and what was but what was also just like the spark to make you say, hey, I've really got to do something different? I'm an I'm an eternal optimist. So I, I, I was born positive. I'm, I'm always optimistic about the future. I'm optimistic about my current status in life. I'm always happy. <laughs> but However, the, the word that I should use there is content. So I wouldn't say there's one moment that really was a catalyst in making a lot of those decisions. However, I, I remember this very clearly in January of 2021. So there were about six months left of that two-year program that I was talking about, and, and I didn't know what I was going to do yet. And I went through this course by Donald Miller who is a marketer and, and just an amazing individual. He's an author um, and a business builder. And he has this course called Hero on a Mission, where he encourages you to, to go through this process of writing your own obituary. And that, I, I guess I would say that would, if I were to pick one, that would be the catalyst in helping me figure out that I didn't want to work for someone else. I wanted to be free. I wanted to explore the world a little bit more. I wanted to start a family. I wanted a lot of these things that I didn't really discover un up until doing that exercise. And although it sounds a little bit morbid, it's incredibly introspective and helpful in figuring out, okay, this is what I want to get in life. Am I currently living that reality? And if not, how can I get to that point? So that led me to, to think about quitting my job. That led me to think about starting my own business. That led me to think about traveling, all these different kinds of things, because those are things that I've always wanted to do in my life. Now, if I do that exercise again, the obituary would probably read a little bit differently because I have different goals. Uh, I have changed just two years later, but it, it was an incredibly helpful exercise in helping me go through a lot of change very quickly. Um, and if I were to say there was one moment where I, uh, that was a catalyst in, in helping me go through a lot of those decisions, make those decisions, writing my own obituary was, was definitely one of them. You know, I know you said it sounds morbid, but I've read from several really great authors that we should be thinking about our own death a lot more. And, and they mean it, I think in the context that you're bringing up, uh, we only have so much time and, it, you know, I talked before about the nation state being a blip in history. Well, 
we <laughs> individuals are a real blip in history and uh, we really don't have that much time. And that's actually something we, we all share um, is no matter if you're a billionaire or somebody living in poverty, really, um, yeah, one might live 20 years old and one might live 80 years old or 100 years old, but that's not really that much different in terms of um, the kind of time that we have here to make an impact and to do the things we want to do and to, to kind of craft the life we want to live. So I think that's great um, what you did. I've got two uh, final questions here and a little bit relate to picking up and leaving. Uh, one, uh, you've obviously got your family back, I think, in Wisconsin and maybe some other family and friends in other parts of the states. Um, what, is your what does your family think about you picking up and leaving and now spending time in Columbia? Have they come down and visit? And uh, again, yeah, what is kind of the some of the conversations, you know, you don't have to get too personal with us, but uh, at least share with us, because from a lot of people, maybe that's one of the big things that whether it's leaving their home state and going across the country or, or going across a pond, um, you know, across an ocean or, 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 or another continent, uh, it seems like a, a long place to go, uh, especially being distant from family. Uh, what, what, yeah, what are some of the challenges there? Traveling to another continent is one thing. I, I think everybody could empathize with, with that drive to, to go see the world a little bit when I first made that decision. I think living in another country is another thing where there's a little bit of disconnect. Um, the, the, maybe my grandpa, who just passed away last year, that was hard for him to understand. Um, why would you want to go to a, a less safe place? We have everything in the United States. Why would you want to go out elsewhere? Um, and then I talked to my dad where he's actually the one who really inspired me to, to make a lot of these changes. And now after selling his company, he was an entrepreneur and orthodontist. He has, it lives in Thailand and is now in Portugal um, and is traveling the world with his wife at, at just 57 years old. So um, I've inspired him. He's inspired me a little bit. He's inspired me mostly, and, and I've inspired him a little bit to go now travel. Uh, but my family, my mom has visited. My dad would like to visit. My brothers will visit at some point. Um, this is my new home. So uh, they enjoy the fact that I'm happy, and I think that's what matters most. And to my friends that maybe don't understand why, it doesn't matter. Because the, the benefits that they see from a happier, healthier Jimmy or James outweigh the, the reasons. So, um, yeah, a lot of people don't understand it. But at the end of the day, I don't think they really need to. As long as they see a, a smile on my face, that's, that's really all that matters. Yeah, that's great. And actually, you know, honestly, Columbia is not that far. Um, I, I'm sitting here in South Florida, and it's about a three-hour flight here. I could actually get to Columbia faster than I could visit my brother who lives in Colorado. Um, and so uh, it's, um, you know, in, in retrospect, in, if you're kind of look at the broader context, it's not too far. It is a different country, maybe a different set of rules of law, different set of culture, all sorts of things like that, that you have to evaluate and think about, but obviously a place you really like. We're also living in a very connected world today, right? So uh, we could do this, uh, right? Um, I could have a, a conversation with you. I could text you in three seconds and, uh, you know, all these sorts of things. But also we have this thing called airplanes and we get places very, very fast these days. So um, I know that you were just in South Florida a couple of weeks ago and you didn't just 
have breakfast with me, but you were here hanging out with some of your college buddies. I think that you guys all met up in Miami. So, um, you know, I think I think the world uh, is a lot smaller place today than it's ever been, and people can really connect. You know, one thing I want to talk about, though, uh, maybe to close this out a little bit, one of the last questions is, um, you know, I one of the things I talked about in my book, The American Dream is a Terrible Thing to Waste, is uh, one of the pe- one of the kind of people I look at um, that really have what I call an entrepreneurial mindset is the immigrant, and I think that what I also tell people is entrepreneurs need to have the immigrant mindset. And I say that in, we have a lot of challenges in the United States right now, probably more than we've had in a long time. Although I feel like every generation says that. Um, We have maybe big, big oppressive government, right? You could talk about that. A lot of regulations, a lot of taxes, maybe the reason some people uh, want to escape out a little bit. Um, We have inflation's going on, jobs are, are drying up, going overseas. Uh, we have AI also, you know, posing some challenges to the economy. So lots of different, particularly economic challenges, uh, culture wars. You know, we could talk about very politically divisive times here as well. And so a lot of Americans, including young Americans, kind of look and say, man, you know, I don't, there's just not that many opportunities anymore. And an immigrant walks into this country and they just see opportunities everywhere, right? Uh, especially the immigrants from Central and South America who maybe don't have a lot of those opportunities in their place. And so I think that's kind of what the entrepreneur mindset is. It's seeing opportunities where other people do not. And so I've kind of said to people, you know, I think we kind of more of us need to have an immigrant mindset, you know, you know, be, first of all, appreciative of this place that has offered us a lot of freedom and opportunity. And also, um, you know, that we kind of see these, see more of these opportunities, but also the immigrant has done something very interesting, especially a lot of, they've ticked. Pick it picked up from the place they've they've known and go to the unknown right now for maybe some people who have left like impoverished places in Central America or maybe like communist governments like Venezuela you know uh, picking up believing maybe was also I mean the physical journey was very tough too right trying to get to a border and all these sorts of things but still the immigrant mindset that maybe you have now as well like picking up from your home place kind of going a little bit to the unknown uh, tell us a little bit about that mindset, the entrepreneurial mindset maybe that you have and um, and the willingness to kind of take a journey to a little bit of the unknown. Yeah, that that's an interesting dichotomy, uh, like a comparison between the, the immigrant, which I now am, and the entrepreneur. Um, I, I do believe that, I mean, if you looked at the numbers, I don't know what the numbers are, but if you look at how many immigrants in the United States turn out to be entrepreneurs. It might even be higher than the entrepreneurship rate of Americans, native, native, like national uh, Americans, citizens. Um, that, so that's a really interesting comparison you make. For two years, when I started this journey, I lived out of a, a 50 liter backpack. So I had very little with me. I had about a a computer, a few sets of clothes, and that's about it. Um, But that was enough for me to grow my business from zero, essentially, to what it is now that allows me to live this lifestyle and live much better in the United States, or live, I'm sorry, live much better in Colombia than I would in the United States. Um, I do hear spend a lot of time thinking about what could be better. 
because there's a lot, just as Colombians would, would go to the United States and, and think the same. Um, I don't know if I, I really have a good answer for you on the topic of how that has changed over time. I still think about serving Americans. I, in, my, in my content marketing business, I only work with Americans. I still focus on helping Americans and helping American creators, specifically authors, thought leaders, helping, helping them grow their audience and make the most out of their brains, what they have in their heads. I try to get them to put that out on paper and help people. So I, I still think about American creators and my American clients and helping Americans much more than I do here in Colombia. But that will change certainly. I'm I'm looking into ways to uh, partner up with Colombian entrepreneurs and owning a physical business for the very first time in my life, because it's all about experimentation, right? Especially in this phase of my life, um, I want to try a whole lot of things out and and see what sticks. So I I still very much have that entrepreneurial mindset. I'm curious to see how it changes in the future. Well, uh, being curious and creative, I think, is uh, one of the top uh, characteristics of uh, being an entrepreneur or having an entrepreneurial mindset. So we're glad to see that uh, you continue that curiosity and see how things might be in the future. Um, also, um, you know, one of the things I got to tell people is on um, as they take part in your website and your newsletter, and I know you've been publishing some city guides from different cities across Latin America, including Medellin. I actually uh, got your Medellin guide. It's, uh, it's really great. Um, and so I think people maybe who want to travel to lots of places in Latin America, particularly, um, can, can connect with you there and learn a little bit about the travels that, uh, that you are, have pursued and also some of the tips you have for people traveling to those places. So that's good. So freedomfiles.co is a great place to connect with James Nuveen, um, who's, you know, really an agent of innovation in this world, uh, whether it's the world of Twitter X or whether it's, uh, you know, the world of, um, you know, just. Uh, being an expat, living abroad, and um, buying property in a foreign country, establishing uh, a path to establish some residency, learning Spanish, uh, building a business, um, building a life of his own. So I think uh, everything, a lot here we can take, James, to really be inspired by uh, your work and what you're doing. So I really applaud you. We'll continue to follow your fearless journey uh, as well. And um, any any last thoughts maybe here you want to you wanna mention to the audience before we sign off? One thing that I, I would I would leave people with is I think one thing that I like to live by and I hope other people do as well is that I think it's your obligation to make the most of your potential, whether that's sharing your journey online and helping people with whatever, whether it's painting, whether it's becoming a better writer, whether it's traveling the world. I think it's our obligation to teach what we know. So that's what I'm trying to do, um, both in my writing business and in the Freedom Files. And that's exactly what you're doing, Francisco, in Fearless Journeys. So I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad a lot of these listeners are here. And uh, yeah, that's what I would leave you with. Well, um, I'm looking forward to getting down to Medellin uh, in just a matter of weeks uh, on our next Fearless Journeys group trip. Just sad to see that we didn't time it right for you to be there at the same time as you're going to be on your own vacation with family abroad. Uh, so that's great. But, um, but you know, this is a great thing about this platform is how we can continue to connect 
uh, people with innovators across the world, including James Nuveen. So James, thank you again so much for being our guest here on the Agents of Innovation podcast. Thanks, Francisco.